Before we jump into the word, let me pray to get us started. Father, um, as we sit in the midst of this series trying to understand how you have made and shaped, how you've wired us, God, I pray that we would, um, by the power of your spirit, that we would get a sense that you are at work in each person in this room. You've created them, that you have a purpose and a plan. And Lord, I pray that you'd open our eyes, that you would um, open our hands and move our feet as we walk um, with your love and your grace and your goodness into a, the relationships in the world around us, God. So use your word. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, all God's people said. So we're in the midst of a series that we're calling Wired, and we're basing a lot of it, and I know a number of you have gotten this book, on a book called Shape. It's uh, out of Saddleback, Rick Warren, if you've ever, ever read The Purpose Driven Life. And it's a fabulous book. What I like about it, it gets us a holistic understanding of what it means to be God's people. And uh, I am of the opinion, and I believe we as a community are of the opinion that the local church exists to bring God's love to the world, Right? In the Old Testament, God came to Abraham and said, I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a, you're going to be a blessing. And in the New Testament, he said to his disciples, as the father sent me, so send I you. And the posture of the church is not a protectionary. We want to make sure we get everything our way inside here. Our posture is what does it look like to become God's people here so that we can go out into all the different places we do life and be the church. Can I get an Amen. That's the type of community that we want to be. If you're new here, that's what we're about. Experiencing the love of God demonstrated in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and trying to be God's people in the world around us. So it's a little different this morning. If you're new, um, this is a little different series. It's going to feel a little bit more like a class. Classroom will be information heavy as we finish the acrostic shape. Remember last week we looked at spiritual gifts and what we said was this. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you put your faith in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, then you have a spiritual gift. If you have a spiritual gift, then you are called to use that in your local community to strengthen and edify the body of Christ. Who's taking a spiritual gift test? A small handful. Uh, what we said last week, it's interesting. If you look at the different scriptures on spiritual gifts, it's not like in the first century that they had Google and just said, okay, spiritual gift test. Which one do I inventory and find out what I have? What they did is they lived in the context of community and they served one another. And they found out how they were wired, how they were made, how God had gifted them to be in each other's lives. And then we talked about the uh, H of shape, which is our heart. In other words, what are your passions? And the reason we're going through each letter and the reason you have this, by the way, grab the insert on the inside of your bulletin. If you don't, share with somebody or please, honestly, get up, go grab a bulletin. Um, what we want to do is get this holistic understanding because we need all of it. We need our spiritual gifts, our heart, we set as our passions. What do you care about? Like when your heart starts beating a different way, when you see something that just gets you excited, you sense God moving you towards that thing, that's your heart. That's the passion that God has given you. And then this morning, we're gonna look at our abilities. It's gonna be sort of fun. We're gonna look at our abilities, our personality. So this is a no nudge. You can help your, the person sitting next to you, but you cannot nudge them as we go through the personality part. And then we're gonna look at our experiences. 
the painful and positive things that have happened in our life as we look like what, it be, what it's like to be the church. So here's what we're going to do. I want to be really practical with this. I want you all to keep this. If you don't have one, grab one on the way out. We'll have it the next couple weeks as well. But we want this in your Bible. We want you to find out how God has made you. Not one person in here is an accident. You're not a mistake. You're not what society says about you. You are God's masterpiece. And if you're God's masterpiece, God wants you, and I don't care your age, if you're 7, 17, 77, God wants you to make a difference. That's the whole point of it. You are designed to make a difference. So as we go through it, fill this out, keep it with you, jot notes down over the next number of weeks, over the next number of months, and then we're going to ask you, the top of it is perforated, if I can figure the, it's perforated, I'm not going to do it in front of you and make a fool of myself, all you got to do is... Ah, look at that. Tear it off. And one of the places that we want to be very intentional is how we serve in our community. So fill that out. Um, as you sign up for things, you're not, you're not sort of signing your life away. You don't have to sign in blood. We want you to have the opportunity to serve your local body. And that's what the top piece is, is for. And we would love to help you figure that out, to be in that conversation with you, to find out where you can best fit around here. Whew, Okay. Let's jump into it. Abilities. There's a beautiful passage in Exodus 31 that often in the Old Testament you find passages like this when they're talking about building up the tabernacle or the temple and it says this in verse 1, then the Lord said to Moses, look I have specifically chosen Bezalel son of Uri, grandson of Hur of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He was a master craftsman, expert in working with gold and silver and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft. It's the idea that we've been given these certain innate abilities. Each person in here has abilities. These are different than gift, your spiritual gifts. Abilities that God has given you. Here's a definition of abilities. It's the set of talents that God gave you when you were born, which God wants you to use to make an impact for him. Sometimes we find out about our abilities in the places that we don't do well. When I was in college, I went and lived a couple of summers with my uncle in North Platte, Nebraska, and I had to make money naturally for college. So I got to North Platte, Nebraska one summer, and I decided to follow this little ad in the paper that was for Kirby Vacuum Salesman. Anybody else do door-to-door sales? I did door-to-door sales for two days. <laughs> it wasn't an ability that I had. That's not the way I'm wired. I remember in uh, sort of junior high, high school and some in college, my brother and I both worked construction, worked construction together, and uh, it was this amazing difference in our abilities. He's now a scientist, has this very, very engineering type of mind, and um, we were construction for the same number of years together, and now if you put two two-by-fours right in front of me, I don't know if I would know what to do. Scott could build a house, though. It's abilities. It's not one is better than the other. I will never be Michael Jordan except for on a seven-and-a-half-foot basket. Right? What are your natural abilities that God has given you? Because you need the whole of this picture. If you are going to be fully who God has made and intended you to be, you need the whole of the picture. And the question is this, where do you naturally excel? And Everybody in here is good at something. Too often we try to be good at what we're not good at, what somebody wants us to be good at, or what we think we should be good at. 
What do you naturally excel at? Do you love to inspire others? Are you good at communicating messages? Is there a creative thinking person inside of you? Do you love to work with your hands? Are you musically talented? Are you a natural team builder? Like you can gather people around and you can lead them. Are you good at goal setting and meeting objectives? Do you like to cast a vision and get people to catch on and follow that vision? So here's what we're going to do. Another super practical thing. We're going to have silence for about 30, well, some form of silence. Uh, we're going to have silence for about 30 seconds. And there's going to be a screen full of different abilities. And it's not an exhaustive list. And what I want you to do is look down through it. And when one of them catches your eye that you think you might have, just write it down. Okay? 30 seconds. Go down through the list and see what abilities you might have. And by the way, improving is actually improving. That's what happens when I'm typing things. Okay. If you don't have your sheet in front of you, make sure you're jotting that down. Send yourself a little email, whatever you have to do to keep it in your mind. But you think about your spiritual gift. You think about your passions, your heart. And now we're sort of understanding our abilities. We're trying to paint a picture of how God has wired us. So the next one is this, personality. Here's the definition of personality. The special way God wired you to navigate life and fulfill your unique kingdom purpose. Uh, this is another one of those where we often try to be somebody that we're not. We often try to be an extrovert when we're an introvert. Think about Jesus' disciples and the different personalities. It's interesting. So you have Peter. Peter's impulsive. He's passionate. He's also a conservative, the sect of Judaism that he was part of. James and John, they're called by Jesus, the sons of thunder. Basically just saying, you guys are loud. You're boisterous. This is part of their personality. Thomas had a gloomy, pessimistic, sort of intense disposition. And sometimes those of you, th this is what we call today the glass half full person or a Debbie Downer. And there's a part of that, there's a part of that that can go to a bad place, but there's part of that that's good. If you are that person, there's something about it that you bring to the table. Matthew was gregarious, probably methodical. Philip was hesitant, lacking confidence. Andrew was positive and enterprising. All sorts and types of personalities, and this is important, are needed if we are going to be the church that God has us to be. So what I want to do here, um, who has taken the DISC profile? Raise your hand. Okay. Who's taken Myers-Briggs? So a lot of you, some of you have taken both, but about 50-50, same as the first service. Um, I'm going to go down through a, a sort of version of Myers-Briggs. I uh, Probably a year and a half ago, we had a guy come into our staff at the church up in Edina and took us through, there's a one-page version of Myers-Briggs, and uh, you find out how you are wired as far as your personality is concerned, and I'm one of those people that was almost in the middle of all of them, but had a little bit of a leaning. So what I want to do is up on the screen are going to be four different ways to look at our personality. And what I want you to do on your sheet, again, if you don't have the sheet, if you don't have something to write on, send yourself a little, little note. But I want you to put on the spectrum, because when we think about the first one, introvert, extrovert, uh, very few of us are 100% one or the other. We're on a scale, right? Does that make sense? So here's an introvert. Introvert, it doesn't mean you don't like people. I'm an introvert, okay? I like people, but when I've been around people for a long time, what do I have to do to be recharged? Get away from people. Sunday morning after church, our normal routine is we go home. 
I don't spend those first couple hours with my family. It wouldn't be good for them. I'm an introvert. An extrovert is the person that they enjoy being with people, and then when they need to be recharged, what do they do? Throw a party. This is the classic marriage situation, isn't it? I'm an introvert. Stacy's an extrovert. And it's one of those good things to know. How do we figure out how we relate well to each other based upon our personality types? So introvert, extrovert, where do you fall in that spectrum? The next one is this, how we structure our lives. Controlled, this is a good one, controlled or spontaneous. So the controlled person tends to prefer outcome to the process. Those of you that are controlled people, you know what I'm saying, right? You need to know what the outcome is going to be. Where the pro- process person is saying, no, nah, just, let's, let's just be in the moment. If you've said that, you're more of a process person. That you're not so concerned about the outcome. Where do you fall on the spectrum of controlled or spontaneous? Do you enjoy the flow or do you want to know the exact definition of where you're going? How we take information. Intuitive or sensing, intuitive or sensing. The intuitive person would often describe themselves as innovative, that there's imagery and metaphor that they try and understand things from. Sensing person, they gather the information bit by bit. They focus on facts, on data, on experience. They focus on what is rather than what might be. So how do you take an information? On the scale of intuitive or sensing, how do you take an information? The last one is this. How we make decisions, thinking or feeling. Thinking or feeling. The thinking person makes decisions based on data. Give me the facts, make sure that you have all the facts, right? And then I can make a decision. The feeling person is, so this is what I'm feeling. This is my gut, right? This is one where I actually lean a little bit more on the sensing one. I will, I will often use that language. My gut is sort of telling me, here's what I feel. Where do you fall in that spectrum? As you put all of those together, you get a sense of how God has wired you. And once again, this is not one way is better than the other. This is you are who God made you to be. It's time to understand who God made you to be. I heard a testimony recently of a man who was saying that he spent so much of his life trying to be the Christian who was up front, loud, sort of out there, extrovert. And it was later in his life that he's figuring out, I'm an introvert. I find joy and energy by serving in the background. We need to know how we are wired personality-wise if we really are going to serve in the way that God calls us to. Jot down some notes around that. Last one is this. Experience. Experience. Definition of experience is this. Those parts of your past, both positive and painful, which God intends to use in great ways. It's important that this one comes last. We almost see what we've gone through through the lens of who we are. Romans eight twenty eight, beautiful passage that gets at this, says, and we know that God causes everything. Painful experiences and positive experiences. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. So jot down some notes. Think about what are some of the painful experiences that have shaped you? What are some of the painful experiences that have shaped you? Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's a, um, maybe you lost your job in two years you spent looking for a job and that painful experience that now you have a job, you're able to serve in ways you never would have been able to. 
Maybe it's a death, maybe it's a loss. One of the most formative, painful experiences for me was about a year, year and a half into being a uh, youth pastor, young 23-year-old, didn't know a thing, thought I knew everything. I got a call on a January 11, and one of the the young people in our our, uh, youth group had passed away. Just a horrible tragedy. That painful experience highly shapes how I serve. It shapes how I mentor and discipleship other people. It shapes how I talk about God. It's because in that experience, I had so many conversations with families and kids about who is God in tragic situations. And then what are some of the positive situations in your life? What are some of the things that have happened in a positive way that shape you? When I was a young youth pastor, the senior pastor at our church was this amazing guy, Dr. David Auckland, faithful, faithful, had uh, preached through the whole New Testament, translating every word. Every passage he preached, he would translate it from the original text, um, was my homiletics prof- prof- professor, and in our church, pretty good-sized church, when he would leave, he would have the 23-year-old preach. Shouldn't have. I wasn't a good preacher. But it was a positive experience that shaped me. Someone believed in me early on and said, I think you can do it. And I'm going to put you in a place where you can have the opportunity to do it. It was one of the most formative, positive experiences in my life. What are the painful experiences? What are the positive experiences? And then the question becomes this. How can God use my experience for his glory in the service of others? And I understand there are many different things we could talk about here. Sometimes a painful experience for sure needs the process of time until you're ready to talk about it, right? But begin to see what you've gone through as a way to serve others around you. And when you put the whole of shape together, you begin to look at this and you're like, wow. So this is how God made me. This is how I'm shaped, how I'm wired to serve. And it goes back to what we said on the beginning. God did not put one person in here, in this room, on this earth, on accident. You're not a mistake. You're not defined by anything that has happened to you. You're defined by the fact that God loves you, that God saved you, and God wants you to become the masterpiece he's created you to be. And it's the text that we read the first week. Ephesians 2, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Don't you want to be defined as a community that cares about the world in the way that Jesus would care about the world? It's what I want. It's what I believe we want as a community and I think we do that when we understand who we are. So please, we invite you this week, we'll take uh, off a week uh, off next Sunday when Steve comes in and we'll finish up the series on the 15th. But spend some time taking some notes. Um, online you can find the list of spiritual gifts and some different resources to fill this out. And then we invite you this morning, like we said, you're not signing your life away. There's people in this room where you are serving at Crossview. You're in a place that's a great fit. You're using your spiritual gifts. And we say, great. Some of you are serving. You're like, I need to do something else because it's not the right fit. We want to help every person, whether you're serving or not serving. We think if you call Crossview your home, you should be using your spiritual gifts to serve. That you would fill this out 
and that we could help you process where God wants you to serve or God wants you to make a difference to build up and strengthen the body of Christ. So fill this out. And uh, during communion, you can drop it. There's baskets at each exit um, or the benediction at the end of the service. We'd love for you just to drop that in those baskets. And we want to walk alongside you to figure out how God wants you to serve in this body and to be in conversation of how God wants you to serve in the world around you. Father, Lord, we pray that you, uh, you would give us the eyes to see who we are in you. Lord, that we, uh, that we would maybe, for some, repent of the places that um, we let others define us, we let our pain, our sin define us, God, that we would be defined by the loving God who came in the person of Jesus Christ to forgive our sins, to give us new life. And that in that, God, we we would get the sense that you have made us exactly how you want. That we would find joy, that we would find hope in becoming who you want us to be. And that our posture would be to use that masterpiece, to use that, that workmanship that you have made us to be, to show your love and your grace to others, to our kids, to our family, at school, to our neighbors, to our coworkers, God, that we, we would show your radical love in each and every moment. In your name, amen.